If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, first, uh, first Kings chapter 17. I want to welcome all those watching online and all of you here today. It's so good to see you. We are uh, going to take a few moments and just kind of review. This is going to be part two of uh, our year-long series on heroes. And I want to remind you that heroes are not perfect. Heroes don't have it all together. But today we're going to look at uh, Elisha, and we're going, to, we're going to look at part two. And as Michelle and, and David are putting up the, putting up the signs, I've got, I've got your points up there, and we're going to use these posters to kind of guide us today as we look at uh, a hero called Elijah. Now, Elijah followed God and obeyed God and was obedient and uh, really had an incredible, incredible life and legacy. And, and, and we're going to look at today how we can follow in Elijah's footsteps and some of the lessons that he would share with us. So if Elijah were here today and he would go out with you for dinner, there would be a couple of life lessons that I believe Elijah would share with us. And we're going to look at uh, part two today. And then uh, next week we'll be, have Daniel. And so we'll continue. Can you believe we're almost, uh, almost getting ready to celebrate Christmas in a few weeks? Isn't that hard to believe? And, of course, during Christmas, we will have uh, uh, the Heroes of Christmas, and we will con uh, conclude our series on Heroes of the Bible, and we're already working on next year. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, finishing strong, and we're going to look at Elijah today. If you're with me this morning, let me hear an amen. amen. All right. First Kings chapter 17. Elijah, by the way, his name means God is Jehovah or God is strong. How many believe that God is strong? And how many believe that if you believe that God is your strength, then he can get you through any situation, any circumstance. If down deep in your heart of hearts you believe that God is your strength, he can get you through anything. How many are here today and, and, and you've been through a, a difficult time or two? Let me see your hands. I'm going to put both hands up. Can you imagine walking through those difficult situations without God's power, without God's grace, without God's courage, without God's strength? And... As Elijah was going through ups and downs, difficult times, he was reminded by his name that God is my strength. I can't imagine facing the things that we have all faced without knowing that God is our strength and, and leaning on God for wisdom and courage and, and endurance to, to, to fight the fight of faith. You know, this is, life is a fight of faith. And sometimes fighting is not fun. You ever been in a fight? Husbands, wives? Fighting's not fun. But it's necessary in order to pursue the things of God. So we are called to fight the fight of faith. And what I love about Elijah is he went through some difficult seasons, yet he fought the fight of faith. And so here's some lessons that we're going to review just for a few moments, and then we're going to look, look into some new truth. First lesson that Elijah would tell us is he would say, Pine Castle... Be very wise and calculated with your words. The Bible says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. 
Elijah will remind us that you've got to be really, really wise and calculated with your words. God told Elijah to go to this city, and it was Gilead. And that word Gilead, that city means testimony. God told Elijah to go to King Ahab. And he said, I want you to give him a word. And Elijah was very wise and smart and calculated with the words that he told King Ahab. And this was the message. King Ahab, it's not going to rain on the earth for the next three and a half years until I give my word. And that was the message that Elijah gave King Ahab. He may have wanted to say much more than that, but Elijah was very wise and calculated in his words. It would be like you going to President Biden. And if you were instructed by God to go to the president, what would you say? Now, don't, don't say it publicly, but that's between you and the Lord. <laughs> My point is, you better be wise and calculated in the words that you speak. And Elijah was very, very uh, uh, wise, and he was calculated when he spoke King Ahab, and he said exactly what God told him to say, and nothing more, nothing less. I think if I were you, I would be very wise. In fact, this past week, I wrote an email, and it took me two hours to draft the email. You want to know why? Because there was emotion involved. There was drama involved. There was personalities involved. And sometimes when you're navigating through difficult situations, you've got to be very smart in what you say. And many times we all say too much. We talk too much. And that's what Elijah would say to us today. Be wise. Let your words be few. You don't have to speak forever to get your point across, but be wise and calculate. And that's a life lesson that Elijah would share with us. I, I, I gave you this last week, and, and some of you wanted copies of this, but uh, you, can, you can write it down now. Here's some wise words. On, uh, uh, that we can all learn from. Uh, the, the wrong word at the wrong time equals disaster. Everyone say disaster. The wrong word at the wrong time equals disaster. The right word at the wrong time equals resistance. The wrong word at the wrong time is a mistake, but the right word at the right time is a miracle. And Elijah brought a miracle word to King Ahab because he was very wise and calculated with his words. I remember a couple, uh, a couple year, years ago, I may have shared this with you uh, a couple years ago, but uh, I was at a youth conference speaking, and, and at the end of the service, um, God gave me a word for another youth pastor. And it was kind of odd, and I didn't want to do it at first. And this was the word. God just said, I want you to get your Bible out, and I want you to read Psalm 23 over him. Now, I thought that was kind of a little odd. I thought that was kind of weird. I just kind of thought, that's not really the kind of word that I want to bring, and, and, and can you give me something a little bit better than that? And I didn't know the guy, and I was kind of wondering, what was he going to think of me? And so I, I reluctantly just went up to him and introduced myself, and I said, you know, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but I, I, I'm, I want to be obedient. I want to give you a word, and I'm going to read Psalm 23 over you. And as soon as I said that, that guy dropped to his knees and started weeping. And I'm freaking out. 
I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'm like, haven't you started reading Psalm 23 yet? And the guy instantly fell to his knees and started weeping. Well, I had to wait a few minutes for him to finish weeping before he could, re- you know, before I could read Psalm 23 over him. And as he was weeping and crying, I finally opened up the Bible and started reading Psalm 23. And that was it. The next day he came up to me. He said, you're not going to believe it. He says, I'm a youth pastor. And he said, I've been teaching my youth for the past year, word by word, through the 23rd Psalm. And he says, but I had been, I've been running from the good shepherd. And although I was teaching about how good the shepherd was and how we should follow him, I wasn't following him in my own life. And when you said that you were reading Psalm 23 over me, it rocked my world and it's changed my life. Thank you for being obedient. You see, when you're wise and calculated with your words, miracles happen. Lives are changed. And the first lesson that Elijah would tell us was he would say to us, be wise and calculated with your words. Can I get an amen? Number two, the second thing that Elijah would tell us, and this was uh, the, the second lesson would be, obedience precedes provision. Now, this is a city that Elijah went to. He was in Gilead at first, and then he went to Kareth, which means to cut. And there was at Kareth that God told Elijah something very interesting. He says, I want you to go to Kareth, and I'm going to make sure that the ravens feed you. Now, how many know that's kind of odd? How would you react if, if God spoke to you this afternoon on your way to uh, Chick-fil-A? No, not Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. On your way to Olive Garden. And God said, I don't want you to go to Olive Garden. I want you to go down to the Lake Conway, and I'm going to let the birds feed you for the next few weeks. How many of you would have a, a kind of an odd reaction to that? Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? God was preparing Elijah, watch this, for something great. And in every city that he was brought to, God was preparing him for something down the road, and he needed to test and make sure that Elijah was going to obey and follow him. The second lesson that Elijah would teach us is he would say, listen, when God tells you to do something, your obedience will precede provision. Elisha had to obey, and because he obeyed, God provided for him, and the ravens of the air fed Elijah every morning, every afternoon, and every night. Why? Because Elijah was obedient. Listen, there's something in your future that is going to happen, and if you obey, you will be prepared for what's down the road. But if you disobey, and you are reluctant, and you don't do what God tells you to do, you're missing out on great opportunity. And Elijah would say to us, obedience always precedes provision. When God tells you to do something, do it. And when you do it, there will be provision. And the ravens took care of Elijah and fed him Can you believe it? Every morning, every lunch, every dinner, because Elijah was obedient. What area in your life right now is God pointing his finger at you and pointing the area where you need to be obedient? Whatever it is, obey. And when you obey, God will provide. Remember last week I told you a story about the the food bank when the NBA lockout? There was 1,500 families that were without jobs. 
And I went out on a limb and I says, we're going to take care of every employee of the Orlando Magic, every uh, person who parks cars, takes tickets, the ushers. If you have lost your job, we're going we're to provide for you Thanksgiving meals. We're going to provide for you uh, uh, toys and Christmas gifts for your family. We're going to take care. And I didn't know where the money was coming from. We made the big announcement, and hundreds of employees would come down to the food bank to receive food and gifts and provision to get them through a very difficult time. And as soon as I made that announcement, we got a check from First Baptist Orlando for $50,000. Obedience precedes provision. There is something in your future that is waiting on you to obey. And when you obey... God will always provide. And Elijah would tell you today that the ravens took care of me because I was obedient. God's looking for men and women that are going to be obedient. Can I get an amen? amen. Number three. Here's, uh, here's life lesson number three that Elijah would share with us today. And you see it there on the poster. Little is much when you trust God, but much is little when you trust yourself. Who's your trust in today? Who are you depending on? Is it, is it the government? You know, we can't put our dependency and our trust in government. And Elijah would say to us today, church, remember that if you put your trust in me, I can take the little and I can make it into much, but when you trust yourself, you will end up in destruction. And this is the city that Elijah was brought to. It was Zarephath. And that mean there, the, the, the meaning of that word there means to refine. Elijah walked up to a widow woman. This is, this is bold. He walked up to a widow woman and, and, and he said, uh, I want you to bake me a, a dinner. I want you to fix me a meal. And this poor widow woman, she said to him, all I have is a little bag of flour and a little oil. She said, in fact, I'm getting ready to fix my last meal. And then I, my son and I, we're going to die. And Elijah, watch this, was bold enough to speak to that woman and tell her, if you will bake me a cake, if you'll fix me some peanut butter cookies, if you will fix me a dinner, I will make sure that God will provide for you as long as you need him to provide for you. It's pretty bold for him to say that to a widow woman who had a son. But she trusted God. And she took the little that she had, the little, little flour and little oil, and she put that little into the hands of a big God, and God took care of that woman the entire time. Why? Because her trust was in God and not herself. And a beautiful life lesson that Elijah would share with us is little is much when you trust God, but much is little when you trust yourself. Can I just encourage you today, this week, to, 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 to commit all that you have to the Lord, your investments, your 401K, your savings, your assets, and your dependency is not in your stockbroker. 
Your dependency is not in your financial planner. Your dependency is not in the government. Your dependency is in God. And when you take what you have, even if it's a little oil and a little flour, and you take that little and you put it in the hands of a big God, he can make it work. But if you think you're in charge and you're smart enough and you've got it all together, God's going to show you that you are not as smart or intelligent or as savvy as you think. That's a hard word, but that's what Elijah would say to us. And he learned that lesson over the years. In every city that God brought him to, to, he learned to trust in God. Now, let's go to lesson number three. I'm sorry, lesson number four. We're starting to build now. Elijah was faithful with his words. He didn't mouth off. He didn't speak too much. He was very calculated in what he said. God trusted him. He learned to obey, and God trusted him even more. He got to the city where he had to put his dependency on God, and he trusted God more, and God trusted him more. Now he comes up to the place where lesson number four, and here it is, the cost of inaction is greater than the cost of a mistake. Mm. Good lesson. This lesson was, was, was learned at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is the word there it means to be fruitful. Now watch this. Elijah shows up at Mount Carmel, and there are 450 prophets of Baal. And it's a smackdown. It's a, it's a war, and Elijah goes against the 450 prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel, and he learned this lesson. And here's the lesson. The lesson is the cost of inaction is greater than the cost of mistake. He could have been timid. He could have been scared. He could have been fearful. He could have said what a lot of Christians say. God, pick someone else to do this battle. But Elijah had been trained and he'd been taught and he had become faithful, and now he was at the place where he was faced in front of 450 prophets. And the lesson that Elijah would say to us is, the cost of inaction is greater than the cost of a mistake. I am glad that Elijah wasn't scared. I am glad that Elijah trusted God. I am glad that Elijah was not intimidated by the 450 prophets of Baal, and he spoke to them, and he went against them, and God was behind him, and God brought down fire and consumed the sacrifice, and all the prophets were killed. Thank God for Elijah. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? That would make a great movie, wouldn't it? I mean, think about it. But Elijah could not have gone against those prophets of Baal if he had not learned the lessons one, two, three, and four, and now he was at Mount Carmel, and he spoke against the prophets of Baal, and God was glorified. I hope that you are filled with courage, filled with boldness, and filled with the power of God to face any and every obstacle. And Elijah would say to us, the cost of inaction is greater than the cost of a mistake. I would say to you today, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Don't be afraid to, to do something you've never done before. I think many times all of us, we get a little conservative. 
and we get content with status quo. But Elijah would say to us, you can't just not face the obstacles and the opposition that's in front of you. Be bold. Be courageous. Do what you've never done before. And when you do that, God will always be with you. Can I get an amen? Let me give you real quickly. Now, write these down. These are not in your notes, but I'm going to give these to you. Uh, I call these the seven costs of inaction. When you are fearful, when you are afraid, when you are timid, when you are unsure of what you should do and you become fearful, what are the seven costs of inaction? Number one, the first cost of inaction is you don't stretch your faith. When you become conservative, when you become timid, you do not allow your faith to be stretched. Number two, you settle for second best. When you're scared, when you're not bold, you will settle for second best. Number three, there will be opportunities that will be lost forever. If you're timid and scared, there will be opportunities that will be lost forever. Number four, the cost of inaction, fear will continue to tighten its grip on you. Fear will, will, will grip you. Number five, you'll miss out on the joy of victory. Number six, you'll rob yourself and others of blessing. And then number seven, you'll live with regret. Now, I don't want any of you to live with regret. That's kind of the attitude, well, I wish I should have, could have, would have, but I didn't. And you end up living a life of regret. I'm glad that Elijah was bold and he wasn't intimidated with 450 prophets of Baal. And he said, I'm not going to live with regret. God is on my side. God is my strength, and I'm going to do it. And even if I risk making a mistake, I would rather make a mistake than not do anything. How many has ever made a mistake? How many, how many know that you can learn from mistakes? And it's okay to make a mistake. I always say this when I, when, when I teach the staff and we have leadership meetings. I, 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 I say this. I would rather tell a horse, whoa, than go. Think about it. I would tell a horse, whoa, then go. And I think that's what God is saying to us. We need to be filled with God's courage to face any obstacle. And even if you make a mistake, it's okay, but let's do something. And that's what Elijah did. And I'm glad he did. When I, every time I read this story in 1 Kings chapter 17, I am inspired by his boldness. He did what most people were unwilling to do. You know, um, Maybe you know that uh, we started 20 years ago the food bank down on Michigan. It's one of the largest direct service charities in the state of Florida. You know that when, when, when I started that, I had never started a food bank before. I had never started a medical center before. I had never started a compassion center before. And Bruce and Lisa, they were with us when we started it. We didn't know what we were doing. We opened up September 1st, 2001. Ten days later, September 11th happened, and within months, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming to this little food bank for help. We grew so much that we had to move out of our first warehouse after six months, and we rented uh, what is now, uh, used to be the West Lumber Building. And you know that to this day, over 600
hundred families every day go to that little location for help, assistance, for hope, for healing, for ministry. See, that could have been overwhelming. But I learned from Elijah that sometimes you got to do something you've never done before, and if you make a mistake, that's okay. Just step out in faith and be bold and be tenacious and do what you've never done before. Mount Carmel is a place of fruitfulness. And when you step out and do what you've never done before, God will be there to help you every single step of the way. So Elijah would say to us today, church, be bold. Step out. Do something you've never done before. Don't live with regret. Don't go to the grave thinking, oh, I wish I would have. No, now is the time, and you can do it. And Elijah shows us that you can defeat any and every obstacle if you are willing to step out and do what you've never done before. So this week, I'm going to ask you to do something you've never done before. You don't have to read a book on it. You don't have to do a survey. You don't have to study and pray for three years. Just do it. And when you do it, God will be with you and give you courage. Can I get an amen? Number five. Here's an interesting lesson. And we're going to talk about this for the next few moments. Carefully handle voices of opposition. Now, this is the last city that, that, that uh, Elijah was brought to, and here's the city, and it's Horeb, and it means desert. Now, here is the interesting part of this whole story. Elijah defeats 450 prophets of Baal, and then suddenly he's sent to Horeb where he's in the desert. And the Bible says that Elijah was depressed. In fact, it even says that he was even worse than depressed. He was suicidal. Do you know that most of your greatest victories in life will always be followed by your greatest opposition? Doesn't make sense, does it? Here Elijah is celebrating his, his, his pictures on the, on the front of the newspaper. He's all over the Internet. I mean, he's getting hits on Facebook like crazy. He defeats the prophets of Baal. And then watch this. Jezebel heard about what happened, and she sent Elisha a text message. And the text message said this, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow night. Now, I find it perplexing that Elijah was able to face 450 prophets and defeat them and he was strong and bold, and yet the voice of one woman caused him to be depressed and suicidal. The power of a woman. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He wasn't intimidated by 450 men, but when the voice of opposition came into his life, Elisha became depressed and suicidal, and he sat under a tree, and he said, oh, that I would die. How many of you are here today, you've ever had opposition? How you handle opposition will determine your future. And now here's Elijah, a great victory, and now he's thrust into a new city, and he's thrust into a new 
uh, new opposition, and he would tell us today in lesson number five, carefully handle voices of opposition. There will be voices that come into your life. And by the way, Jezebel, her name means impure, unholy, not virtuous. She spoke words to Elijah, and he became depressed and he became suicidal because he didn't know how to handle voices of opposition. How many of you have ever had opposition in your life? And a lot of people don't like dealing with it. A lot of people are not comfortable with opposition. But there are some wonderful lessons that we can learn from opposition. Let me give these uh, to you real quickly. Um, number one, these are not in your notes, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Six lessons we can learn from opposition. Number one, anything significant will encounter opposition. Anything significant will encounter opposition. Number one. Number two, everyone who opposes you is not your enemy. Now, that's a good one. Do you know that sometimes your opposition can speak the truth? So you can't discount when someone comes to you and they oppose you, you can't discount them and you can't view them as your enemy because I have found that in most cases, when opposition comes into my life, there is a measure of truth in every comment. And if you just dismiss it, you're missing out on an opportunity for God to challenge you and, and stretch you and your opposition could offer some insight that you need to listen to. So if I were you, when opposition speaks to you, listen to it. Be open-minded. Realize that they're not your enemy. Realize that they could be speaking the truth to you. And what we do a lot of times, we get offended, we get defensive, and God could be bringing that voice of opposition to make you better. And yet you view this, them as an enemy, and you'll miss out on maybe some truth that they can bring into your life. How many are still with me? Let me hear an amen. I love this one, uh, uh, another lesson of opposition. Uh, number one, anything significant will uh, encounter opposition. Number two, everyone who opposes you is not your enemy. Number three, opposition causes you to reevaluate and refocus. It gives you the chance to look at your life and see what other things do I need to work on. Number four, opposition, I love this one, opposition will cultivate in you tenacity and endurance. It will cultivate in you tenacity and endurance. Number five, opposition will teach you humility. Number six, opposition will either propel you forward or it will cause you to stagnate. So when opposition comes into your life, use it as a tool and a way for God to make you better. And here is Elijah under a tree, suicidal, discouraged because of Jezebel's word to him, and God went to Elijah, and I love this, and he said to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? Isn't that a good question? What are you doing here? You just defeated the 450 prophets of Baal. You had ravens feed you. You had the widow woman, and now you're discouraged and you're suicidal over the voice of one woman. What are you doing here? And he finally shook up Elijah and then the most powerful thing of this whole story is this. Once Elisha understood Jezebel and her intentions, he then went out into the mountaintop and he heard the voice of God. 
And that's the story where God showed up and he says it wasn't an earthquake, he wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the fire, but he was in the small, still voice. And Elijah was able to hear the voice of God because he carefully handled the voice of opposition. All right, get your, get your paper out real quick. I'm going to give you seven. Bruce, if you go to the keyboard, I'm going to give you seven tactics that the opposition will do in your life. And you've got to be wise, and you've got to be aware, and you've got to be alert to, to the tactics of the enemy. There's good in opposition, but there's also bad. Number one, these are all begin with D. And it takes me a lot of time to make these all uh, start with D. So, so uh, just, just give me a break and just say amen over some of these. Number one, the first thing that opposition can do to you is it can distract you. It can distract you. It will get you off track, get you off focus, get you thinking more about the enemy and, and the opposition than what God has called you to do. Don't let opposition distract you. Number two, it can delay Opposition can delay what God wants to do in your life. Number three, it will discourage you. Number four, opposition can deceive you. Number five, it can divide. Number six, it can discredit you. And then number, number seven, it can destroy you if you let it. Voices of opposition can distract you, they can delay, they can discourage, they can deceive, they can divide, they can discredit, and they can destroy you. I love this what D.O. Moody says, the best work usually meets the strongest opposition. And we've got to be wise and we've got to be alert and we've got to know how to handle opposition so we can move forward. And Elijah would tell us today these five beautiful lessons that will help us eventually hear clearly the word of the Lord. How many of you are here today and you want to hear God's voice? How many of you want to hear God speak? Well, you do that by being faithful with your words, by being obedient in little things. You learn that by trusting God with everything. You learn that by being willing to step out even if it means making a mistake and do something you've never done before, and you learn that by carefully handling the voices of opposition, if you learn those lessons, then God will trust you to speak to you, and you'll hear his small, still voice. That's what Elijah would share with us today. Would you stand up across the auditorium, and let's pray today. What a great hero. What a great man. Great lessons that we can learn from Elijah. God is my strength. For your family, for your business, for your future, learn from Elijah. And if God can take care of Elijah and feed, allow the ravens to feed him, allow a widow woman to care for him, how much more is he going to care for you if you put your trust in him? Would you bow your hearts with me and let's pray today. Father, thank you for Elijah. Thank you for the lessons that he can teach us. Thank you, God, that he is a hero. 
that obeyed you, followed you, faced the opposition, and eventually was a, was a prophet who heard your voice clearly. God, I pray for your people today. God, I pray that we, like Elijah, that we will hear your voice. God, your small, still voice will speak to us and we'll be able to hear because you trust us and we've learned to trust you. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Lord, we want you to know today that we trust you. Our dependency is upon you. We declare that today. Thank you, God, for the beautiful life of Elijah. Help us to apply these lessons in our lives as we fight the fight of faith that's set before us today. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May you, like Elijah, be bold and tenacious, willing to fight the fight of faith for God's glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week. We'll see you next week at Pine Castle. Have a great day. Bless you.